Ephesians chapter 6. We're talking about the armor of God. We've been in Ephesians for, what is it, 10 years now? Hallelujah. But at least, at least over a year. And so we're talking about, uh, I'm not going to review. I'm just going to believe you know where we're at. So we looked at, we'll start at verse 16 because it's the top of my page. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you may be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked. Taking the helmet of salvation which we spent the last two times I was here on Wednesday night on, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So here the armor, the whole point of Ephesians 6, remember, starts with stand, having done all, to stand and stand against. Everybody say stand. stand. Having done all, I will stand and I will stand against. So who are we standing against? We're standing against the devil, who is the defeated one, but we are not ignorant of his devices. Because he still has devices. He still has fiery darts. But they don't have to get you and they don't have to get me if we'll understand that we have full armor. And so we've been looking at the armor. Uh, remember one of the things the Apostle Paul said that I very much love? He said, none of these things move me. And so one of the things you and I have to make sure of is when we're fully dressed in the armor of God, uh, if you turn around and run away, you are not protected. There's no armor back here. <laughs> so why are most Christians retreating? Why do we give up so easy? Having done all, stand. Stand there full. It's for fully armored, fully ready. And so we got done with the helmet of salvation. Uh, your thought life is very important. That's really one of the main places the devil tries to attack you. And so next here we're going to look at the sword of the spirit. Praise God, the sword of the spirit. What? You said next year. No, next year. We're going to do it right now, right? Next year. <laughs> Am I already living in 2025? Hallelujah. <laughs> I really have been thinking a lot about 2025. But we're living in the right here and now. Faith is now. Hallelujah. So uh, right now, uh, <laughs> right now, let's see. We're going to look at the sword of the spirit. All right. So the sword of the spirit, um, and most people are familiar with that. And so we're going to look at the word distamos. We're going to look at the sword of the spirit, which is usually the rhema, the spoken word. You can't get a spoken word and you have, unless you have the logos, the loin belt, the, the written word. And so you are not going to be able to fight unless you know the logos. If you don't know the written word, I want to show you, you're not going to do well. And so it says, uh, the, the sword of the spirit. So that word sword, uh, I'm going to spell it for you, is M-A-C-H-A-I-R-A. And so this is, uh, Paul was looking at this Roman soldier, and he had a particular kind of sword. And so Paul used, so all the different swords had different names that the Roman soldiers used. But this particular sword was a brutal weapon of murder. It was about 19 inches long with razor-sharp edges on both sides, two-edged. The end of the sword turned upward, causing the point of the blade to be extremely sharp and deadly. So there was many swords available at the time of Paul's writing, but this is the sword that he used. So the point of this sword, this is a serious weapon that is meant don't mean to, to gross anybody out, but not only killed somebody, you gutted the enemy with this one. So there's nothing left. 
So the word of God is so powerful. Jesus has destroyed the works of the devil. But the word of God that comes out of your mouth in faith as a two-edged sword will cause you to win every victory. Come on, y'all. We need to quit winning a few and losing a few. Jesus has won, and the battle is not over until you win. Come on, everybody say, I always win. And when I'm done, what's going to happen? You're going to win again. Well, not because of you, because you're not that special. But because of whose you are and who lives on the inside of you and what you believe and what you say out of your mouth. Now, you know this, Hebrews 4.12. Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And what does it do? It pierces even to the dividing asunder. So it's talking about how the word of God in your own life, it divides between soul and spirit. But I want you to see the sword of the spirit, this two-edged sword, and you're going to see it's a two-mouthed sword. It, it, it can, it's the only thing that really divides your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions from your spirit. And the joints and the marrow, it's a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. It's the only thing that can divide things out in you so you know if it's from God or it's from you. This is how powerful this sword is. This is how potent this sword is. This is how, uh, this is how much you need to know it. Revelations 1.16. And this is talking about Jesus. And he had in his right hand seven stars. And out of his mouth went a, two, a sharp two-edged sword and his countenance was as the sun shining strength. It's amazing that, Paul, that John the Revelator saw Jesus and he saw a sword coming out of his mouth. And this sword, this is the distamos, di meaning two, stamos meaning mouth. And so if those of you who have been here a really long time, you've heard me say this. But I remember early in my ministry when I was praying on a Wednesday, and I don't know what I was dealing with or what was going on, um, uh, but I, I, I don't know that I was saying what I needed to say. Now listen, tonight we're going to talk about saying the word of God against the enemy. There's all kinds of, of things about confession. And I did it a while back, you know, but there's a confession unto faith. There's a confession of faith. There's a speaking the word of God to steer your life. There's all kinds of things that the word of God coming out of your mouth will do. But tonight we're talking about the weapon, the distamos, the two-edged sword that comes out to run off the enemy in your life. And not just the enemy, the works of the enemy. So anything that is not of God, we need to have the sword of God, the rhema coming out of our mouth to get rid of whatever the devil's trying to do. Whether it's in our mind, emotions, whether it's physical sickness and disease, whether it's poverty, whether he's after your children, no matter what it is, you take up the sword of the spirit and you let the word of God come out of your mouth and you aim it right at the problem, right at the mountain. So die is to, stamos is mouth. So I was praying one time, and I kept praying out, he say, you say. He say, you say. It's not two-edged until you say it. The word of God alone is powerful. Come on, can God do anything? Y'all like to say, oh, he's able. He's able, but you don't get your victory based on his ability. Not just his ability alone. You got to do something. There's always a God side to everything and a man side to everything. In today's church world, it's back to like it was in the 60s and 70s, and it's all up to God. And it's really a bad teaching because it's not all up to God. Your salvation wasn't just up to God, was it? Did you have to believe something? Did you have to say something? Healing's not all up to God. 
Is he able? He's able. Don't, don't mistake me. I know he's able. I believe he is sovereign. I believe God could poke his head out of the clouds and scare all 8.5 billion people in one moment. But he has chosen not to do that. Could he? He can do anything. He's God, except he's limited himself to his word. It's not about, he is amazing. He is big. He is, he, you know, come on, when someone can use the earth for a footstool, he's big. Not, not just, he's big. If he can hold all the, all the waters of the earth in the hollow of his hand, like, you know, you go to a water fountain and put a little water in there, that's, that's like God holding all the water in his hand. He's big. And he's your God. And he's given us a way to win. And Jesus, his son, came down and destroyed the works of the devil. But it's not just all on that end. You and I have to do something to walk in victory. And it has to do with the distamos, the two-edged sword, the word of God coming out of your mouth. So we're not talking about confession tonight. We're not talking about the confession unto faith. We're not talking about the confession of faith. We're not talking about words just that steer your life. All those are good. But we're talking about how to win victories over the enemy using the word of God. So Jesus talked about it. So the word coming out of your mouth at things or not at people, but at things that oppose you. One of the greatest things Jesus ever said was found in Mark chapter 11, verse 23. Remember after Jesus cursed the fig tree. Well, you know, that wasn't the devil. Well, it was a problem. Jesus is the creator. How many of you know if happily he went up to find figs on it, the creator ought to find some figs? So he wanted some figs. And there wasn't a, And so what did he do to it? He cursed it. And he said, no man shall eat fruit from you here forever. That's distamos. He couldn't just do that. Remember, Jesus said, I don't do anything independently on my own. In other words, he didn't just get mad and decide to get rid of the tree. Amen. He can't do anything on his own, and neither can you. Amen. You cannot do these things without revelation of the word of God. I see a lot of people trying. I call them poly parrots. Echoes. Echoes. That's why it doesn't work. What's an echo? It's not an original voice. In order for this to work, if you know people that are frustrated with this kind of teaching, it's because they're echoes. It's because they're trying something. It's because they've never heard from God for themselves, and they're frustrated. Jesus didn't even, if Jesus himself could do nothing independently on his own, if he only said what he heard the Father say, if he only did what he saw the Father do, he did not curse the fig tree because Jesus, for a time, laid aside his deity and he walked as a man. And everything he did was by the Holy Ghost and he didn't do it independently. So something within him said, Go ahead and curse that tree. And when he did, what did he do? He believed in his words and he walked away. Come on, you and I, do we, do, we got to get to a place where when we say something, we don't go back and. <laughs> now, I understand when you're working with miracles and stuff, sometimes they say check and do something. That's different. But always going back to check. Jesus didn't stand there, pull up the tree. Hey, Peter, you know, hey, big mouth, go get a, go get a, go get a, a, a shovel. Let's see if what happened. He just, walk, he just walked away. So confident in his words. Well, that's Jesus. A son of God anointed by the Holy Ghost. Who are you? Who are you? Well, 
I'm not in his class. I know we're not in his class, but we're in a good class. Seated far above. And we have the written word of God. And we have the ability to speak the word of God. And a distamos to come out of our mouth and change some stuff. So he just walked away. Now it's really cool. The next day they walked by the same thing. And then Peter got all excited about it. He said, Lord, the fig tree that you cursed. How did he curse it? With his words. What am I talking about to you? I'm talking about the sword of the spirit. I'm talking about the sword of the spirit. You won't use this well if you don't know him. If you just echo. I'm getting a hold of some stuff. Because I'm not going to raise up a bunch of echoers. The word has to work. I don't want to raise up a bunch of frustrated people. This has to work. It's worked for me for 35 years. Not because I'm special, not because I'm called, because I believe something. I need you to believe something. And when the word of God comes out of your mouth, you know it's going to work. You're not trying it. It works. The word works. It's powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. He cursed it. And he said, and, and then, and then P, that's where we get to teaching from Mark eleven twenty-three, Verse 22 says, have the God kind of faith. What does this have to do with sword of spirit? The next verse. He said, whosoever, verse 23, whoever, verily said to you that whosoever, are you a whosoever? What's a mountain? A mountain is a problem. A fig tree that doesn't produce fruit is a problem. Cancer is a problem. Right? Confusion is a problem. High blood pressure, a problem. Right? A mountain. It's an obstacle that's in your way. I know, like, I like what one minister said. He said, if you knew what was on the other side of your mountain, you'd move it. Now, some of you have been around for a while, and you don't got just one mountain. You have a range. But guess what? The Smoky Mountains, the, the Rocky Mountains, um, they'll all move. Or those big mountains in Chile and Argentina, they'll all move. But that's what the Lord's talking to you about. If you say to this mountain, I'm not saying, listen, in this, I'm not saying to God. God's already said to me. And now I have the authority to use a double-edged sword. And that mountain has to obey me because it has to obey the word. It's not really obeying me. It's obeying the word. Be removed. So you talk to, how many, listen to me. You serve someone who talked to wind and trees and fevers. Well, does a fever have an ear? Well, obviously it does because Jesus talked to it. And Peter's mother-in-law, uh, she was instantly healed. He, t- he didn't talk to her. He didn't talk to God. He talked to the fever. This is the double-edged sword. The winds and the waves. He didn't talk to God. He talked to the winds and the waves. It's different than confession. It's different than steering your life. It's taking the word and aiming it at something that's in your way. That's something that God says has to move. 
It's not his will. It's not his plan. It's not his purpose. But if you and I sit idly by and we do this, and this is what most of the church does today, God, when are you going to move this problem out of my life? And if you would listen, he would say to you, I've given you a double-edged sword. If you'd open your mouth and believe what I said, it will move. I do not know if I'm helping you, but I am doing me a lot of favors tonight. Hallelujah. It has to move. If you give it a choice, it won't. If all you do is talk about it. The Lord didn't say talk about your mountain. He said move it. And this is not prayer. Prayers in the 24th verse. People teach these two together. But Jesus in a, in a synopsis is saying when you got an obstacle, move it. How do you move it? Move it with the sword. Move it with your words. And then he said, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them. So what are you going to do? Move. Be in cast, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he says shall come to pass. He will have whatever he says. So in what you're saying, though, but, but look at this. You gotta, I know people teach this all together, but the saying is at something. I'm not trying to talk God into something. Some people use confession for they think they're trying to talk God into something. If I do it a thousand and one times, I've talked God into my healing and now he owes me. That, that is not it. If I say it enough, he'll hear me and get tired of me talking and do it. That does not work. And this is not talking about that. This is talking about there's a problem. The devil has put something in your way. And the way you're going to get rid of it is to open your mouth in faith and let the distamos, the double-edged sword, come out of your mouth. And when it does, it has to move. It doesn't have a choice. And now if you turn to someone, you said, do you think that was enough? Did I say it with enough vim and vigor? Did I have my Holy Ghost tone on? It's not about a tone. It's not about a feeling. It's about the Word of God. You don't have to feel nothing. I like the feelings. I like the Holy Ghost doodads. I like the presence of God. We just we're feeling here and I feel right now. But you don't have to feel anything for it to work. You just don't. Because the word of God is true. Hallelujah. Ooh, hallelujah. So what do you say? You know, have the God kind of faith and you can do this too. Well, what if, what if it don't work? Well, see, that, that's just the whole deal. People go around acting like they're declaring and decreeing a thing, but in their heart, they're hoping it's going to work. We love hope. We sing about hope. Hope, you know, hope really comes after you're in faith. So real Bible hope is a confident, joyful expectation. But a bad hope is, let's see if this works. Let's see if this sticks. Let's see if I said it enough. Let's see if I, uh, you know, uh, uh, enough. No, that, that's not going to work. That's, that's an echo. You heard somebody else say it, but when I'm teaching to you, I am really believing God these days that you get revelation and you get insight because it's not just hearing with your ears that you put your earrings on. You can physically hear something, but if you don't, if you don't mix your faith with it and then begin to do it and put it into practice, it, it was dead faith to you. No matter how anointed I was, no matter how much the word, no matter how many notes you took, no matter how many times, oh, that's good. That's so good. But if you don't put it into practice, it falls dead. 
So, so when we speak the word, we got to believe something. Amen. Again, I, I, I'm just excited about this. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's see. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. Um, oh, that's good. Yeah, it's not my notes. This is for another day. But, you know. Let's look at what we call the temptation of Christ. Which account do I usually teach that out of? Because it's not in my notes. But I want to get to it tonight. Um, Let's look at Luke's account. Let's just look at Luke's account. Luke chapter 4. Let's look at Luke's. So... And Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost. What? What was he? You, do I got, come on, it's Wednesday night. Do I got any people full of the Holy Ghost in this room? He returned from Jordan and was led. What? The Lord would never lead you into a battle. Well, you'd be wrong about that, you good word of faither. He wouldn't lead you into a battle you couldn't win. Come on, the whole reason David is famous is because of a battle. You know, it's so funny hearing people who don't really know what they're talking about saying, well, if you have enough faith, you'll never have a problem in life. Can I call um, baloney? Because as long as you're on earth, you know, that's like my spiritual father, someone came up to him one time and said, I want you to pray that I'll never have enough, another problem with the devil. And I don't know exactly how I did it, but I can imagine Brother Hagen doing it kind of like this. Going to lay hands on him and say, Lord, kill him. Because <laughs> that's the only way you're going to be done with the devil. It's not be on the earth. But you need to stay because you've got work to do. I've got enough to do. You've got to do your own thing. Amen? So the devil is here, but we have a sword. We have full armor, and we can win every battle because Jesus defeated him. Amen. He defeated the devil. Now, here, it's just interesting to me. Um, I don't think people spend enough time. He was led. There are some things on your journey in life that opposition is going to come up, but it's not your end. It could be even something. And, and, and some of this stuff the Lord didn't lead you into, but even the traumas and the tragedies and the, the things that went on in your life, but you've overcome them. Come on. I love that song, Thank You, and that's really what I was thinking about. Thank you, Lord, for everything you've brought me through. Thank you, Lord, every time you help me overcome. Thank you, Lord. I did, you know, I wanted to give up a couple dozen thousand times, but you, you, you wouldn't let me. And, and you helped me through. And we are today where we are because you never failed us. I, I love the fact that he's in that song where he says, you've always showed your face. <laughs> I can, so in that one, I think about when I'm going through something, he just kind of peeks through and says, I'm right here. Let me help you. And, and he's like that. But there's some things in life that, you're going to face some battles. And if you retreat from those battles, you're just going to face them again later. Amen. Especially if the devil knows that you come a big sissy baby and you don't want to fight. Well, I don't think we ought to fight. I'm a lover, not a fighter. God is love. Yes, he is love. I know that. But the apostle Paul said we fight the good fight. Come on, if you're going to win, you're going to have to fight. And it's a good fight because you always win. 
Come on. Doesn't matter how you look when you get done of a, of a real fist fight. It doesn't matter how you look when you got done as long as you won. It's the truth. Hallelujah. So Jesus was led by the Holy Ghost into the wilderness, being 40 days tempted of the devil. In those days he did eat nothing. And when they were inward, he afterward hungered. And the devil said to him. So what we're going to look at is, and you most, everybody in this room probably knows this scripture and knows this account. But what am I talking about? I'm talking about the two-edged sword. And Jesus is showing us in his life after he was filled with the Holy Ghost, led by the Spirit in the wilderness. And he was on a 40-day fast. And after this, he was going to go do his ministry But here, the first thing he had to do was take ascendancy over the enemy. And he did it through the written word, which was a rhema to him. Because even in this, you'll see the devil tried to use the word against him, but it wasn't a rhema. It was was a twisting. And so uh, the rhema word is a spoken word. It's when the word becomes alive, and it's not just a repetition. It's something that's alive on the inside of you coming up out of your heart, not out of your head. It's coming through your vocal cords, but it's coming out of revelation. All right? And we can have this, too. We can have this revelation. Jesus said to him, if you're the son of God. So what does the devil do? He comes to question who you are. This is one of his main things. When Adam and Eve were in the garden, one of the things was he got them to questioning who they were. Now, if anything going on in the world today, wow, that's one of the biggest ones. The devil, once again, he doesn't need any new tricks. The old ones still work. Questioning, getting people to question, really in the weirdest way you and I never thought possible, if you're my age, questioning things that we thought were forever settled. It's craziness to us, but it's not to them because their mind is deceived and they don't know the word of God. So we don't despise them. We don't think little of them. We need to get them saved. Hallelujah. So what do we know? We know that the devil comes to question. So the problems that come, there's questioning involved. And he said, the devil said, if you're the son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. Well, how many of you know when the devil comes, he's going to come at things that maybe your flesh wants. After 40 days, I could use some um, rolls from Texas Roadhouse, from Logan's. Have a competition even, see which one's better. And he said, and, um, it's written. So he answered him. Everybody say he answered him. Yeah. You remember the fig tree? If you look at that, we don't have time to go back and look at it. The Bible says Jesus answered it. It says that Jesus answered it. Right? It said he answered it. And you heard me say this time and time again. I'm helping myself as much as I'm helping you. You just don't let thoughts go by. You don't let problems go by. You answer them. You ne- Come on, what do I always tell you? You never let the devil or a circumstance have the last word. I mean, they throw a good one at you. You got an answer. You feel like quitting. I got an answer. Come on, I feel weak and I can't do it anymore. I can't take another step. I'm overwhelmed. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What am I doing? I'm answering it. Did anything happen? I didn't feel anything, but it's the truth of the word of God. And I'll just, I might, if it ha- the thought comes, I'm going to answer it again. Well, we got, we got to keep answering it. And he answered him. 
And when he answered him, the sword with which he answered him was enough for him to move on. And the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power I will give you, and the glory of them, for there was delivered unto me, and whomever I will give it. If you'll just worship me, all this will be yours. So again, a temptation is not a temptation unless it's real. You know that Adam and Eve turned over the earth, and even Jesus himself called Satan the prince of the power of the air. Uh, that Satan is the God of this world. He's not your God. He's not my God. But he is the God of this world system. We know when the insurance company says it's an act of God, they're right. They just got the wrong God. It is an act of God. It's an act of the devil. Because he steals, kills, and destroys. Right? But what was the whole point of this? Really in this, I love the way Pastor Rhonda teaches this, and I don't know if she's done, you'd, have you you'd probably, have you gone through this already? What do you teach this in, redemption? or? Yeah, um, if we had time, I'd let her get up, but it's time to go almost. So, uh, But, you know, really what the devil was saying, let's bypass that nasty little cross thing. I'll give you everything you want, you'll just be under me. Just like Adam and Eve are, and all of humanity We can bypass the cross if you'll just worship me. If you'll just come under. If you just come under. And that's why he said, uh, looky here. He did what? He answered him, verse 8. Get behind me, Satan, for it is written. So he's saying it is written, but it's coming out of his mouth. So he's got the logos, but he's speaking it as a rhema. And the rhema is a double-edged sword. And what does it do? Thou shalt not worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. I am not serving you. I am not worshiping you. Next. And he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said, If you're the son of God, again, questioning who he was, cast yourself down, for it is written. Oh, now the devil's got it. It is written. Religion is great at misquoting the word. Today, people are getting really good at cherry-picking the word. You interpret scripture by scripture. In order for something to be scriptural, you need multiple scriptures. For it is written. He's going to give his angels. How many know that's right? He, has he given, Psalms 91, has he given his angels charge over us? But, in their hands they shall bear you up, and you'll not cast your foot against a stone. And Jesus said... It is, it is said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. So in other words, he's like, you just took that out of context. I'm not jumping off of nothing to prove to you to do what? See, I don't have to feel anything to prove the word of God works. I don't have to prove to anyone who's in the world who doesn't like the way I preach that I'm an anointed minister of the word of God and what I believe is correct because I'm not doing it for them. You know, that's, that's, I can't help how they feel. I can't help what they think. We don't have to prove that God is real. He's really good at it himself. You don't have to make sure that, you know, uh, that everything is going to work out uh, the way God wants it to. I mean, you, you don't, you know, you and I just got to do our part. And our part is when the devil comes, we speak the word of God. We understand, listen to me. I know people say this, 
They say the devil is ignorant. And I get that he's ignorant because I don't know what got in his mind that he thought that he could overthrow God. Okay, that's pretty ignorant. And yet there were some angels, about one-third of them, that were more ignorant than him. But if he's good at talking angels who have served God for eons and eons into following him, the devil's pretty crafty. And he's been fooling humanity for a really long time. And he doesn't need any new tricks because the old ones just keep to working and working and working. But you and I, we're done letting him trick us, right? He's not going to deceive us. Come on. The eyes of our understanding are flooded with light. Right? And we know how to resist. So one of the things, I, I don't think you ought to be fighting battles just to be fighting battles. Don't be fighting battles you're not ordained. Because, see, if you obey God, you'll miss the battles you're not ordained to fight. But as you walk with God and you come up to a battle, remember this, no temptation has taken you. And his grace is sufficient for you. So anytime you've got a temptation or something that's coming against you or a battle you're facing, his grace is sufficient. He, with his power, you can get through it and get through it with victory. If something comes at you, no temptation has taken you. It's not common to man. Everybody's going through it. You're not. Now, this is, now don't, no, everybody smile at me, and I hope you love me. But you are not so special that this word doesn't work for you. You are not so special that you're the only one that's ever gone through what you think you're going through. You are not that special. Ouch, that hurt my feelings. Well, listen up. I'll hurt your feelings. Stick around. I'll hurt them a lot. Hallelujah. But I'll help you get through some stuff. When we think we're the special one, when we're the only one that deals with something, that is really the devil winning right there. Everybody in this room goes through stuff to different degrees at different times. We've all got different backgrounds, different experiences in life. But this is what we have in common. We believe Jesus is the Son of God, that he was raised from the dead. We believe he's seated on the throne. We believe that we've been raised up together with him. And we believe the word of God works. And we believe that we're fully armored and we're ready to go. And we just believe the sword of the spirit, the distamos, the rhema word that comes out of our mouth is just like with Jesus, is enough to destroy everything the devil would ever try and throw our way. Amen. Amen. And the devil ended, ended his temptation for a season. I wish that wasn't in there. For a season. No matter the season. There's seasons in your life. Now listen to me. Again, don't get mad at me. I'm just a messenger. If you're in a season where everything is great, don't back off of the word. Keep building your house. Keep being a doer of the word. Because the storms, they come to everybody. And the same kind of storms that come in the world are the same kind of storms that come in the church. But because we're doers of the word and not hearers only, we build our lives on the rock, on the revelation of the word of God, and we can stand and go through the storms. And we always win. So when the devil comes, what do we know? We know that the sword of the spirit, the distamos, the rhema coming out of our mouth, it's enough to speak to any mountain. Any problem, the adversary himself, we know the sword of the spirit, the word of God, it, all, it always causes us to triumph. 
we always have victory. If he tempted Jesus, come on, y'all. If he thought the two pinnacles, Adam and Eve and Jesus, the sons of God, so to speak, Adam was the God of this world. And the devil attacked them. He's going to attack you, but you don't have to be afraid. Because that's why Jesus came, to win. Did he win? Come on, i got to leave you. Colossians 2.15. Having destroyed. Well, Pastor Mark, if he's destroyed, why do I got to bother with him? Well, he's destroyed, meaning he has no power and authority over you anymore. But he's still on the earth. And he's still roaming like a roaring lion. You know, his, what's his roar for? What's that roar for? It's the lion, when, it, when a lion roars, it just wants you to know. It's just trying to scare you. He wants you to know, you're, you know, you're on my territory. Now, interesting, a male lion, you know, sorry, fellas, but in this is just the, this, in, the, in, the, in the lion kingdom, the male, he just roars. He don't do nothing. It's the girls that do all the work. And really, the devil, if he can get people to be afraid, that's why the word of God is full of don't be afraid. Fear not. The devil's biggest tool is to get you and I afraid. Afraid of what? Afraid of an outcome. Afraid of an imagination in your mind that might come to pass. Afraid. But we're not afraid. Everybody say, I'm not afraid. afraid. Amen. Why? Because we're in him and he's in us. And we're seated in heavenly places and we have weapons that win. Amen.